Hey pastors, Justin here, and welcome to this special episode of Hello Church. Last year, we recorded an episode featuring seven sermon illustrations you can use for Easter. We decided to take a break from season two, our season covering all aspects of crafting a compelling sermon, to share this episode to share ideas that can help you finish out your Easter week sermon prep. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Hello Church, but for now, I want to share with you seven sermon illustrations you can use this Easter. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 51 of Hello Church. My name is Justin Trapp. And I'm Wade Bearden. And in this episode, we're going to offer you seven sermon illustrations that you can use this Easter. You want to tell the Easter story, you want to tell it in a way that really does justice to the excitement of that narrative and you want to help people to understand it you need some fresh illustrations and we want to give those to you in this episode yep but first though we do have a giveaway we do have a giveaway we want to give away one of our ministry pass mugs this is an arctic mug it's really nice i have one and i use it all the time and so we want to give this away to one of our listeners if you leave a comment in this episode one of our episodes uh just i don't know Tell us what sermon illustration you like the most, or maybe you have a sermon illustration that someone else could use. It's good for Easter, right? Yeah, just put it in there, and we're going to choose someone who comments on this episode, and we want to send you this mug. We won't put hot coffee in it before we send it to you, but you can you can put hot coffee in it afterwards. There may be a little something, something extra in, <laughs> in the package with this, right? Well, that that sounds a little ominous. <laughs> We're, like a, a, here at Ministry Pass, a we've dead been put, insect. Yeah, we've been putting together like uh, you know, customer care kits. So that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, there's there's a few extra goodies, goodies, yeah. right? Yeah, that I should say. well, that's a, maybe I guess it's a good time to announce it. If you sign up for Ministry Pass and you become a member, uh, we are in the process of sending all of those new members welcome boxes yeah. just to say thanks. Same thing with Seminary as well. So if you want one of those boxes, just sign up. But uh, if not. Just leave a comment, and we can possibly, we'll choose one person, we'll send you this mug. Yeah. So we have seven sermon illustrations to help you articulate, and uh, as you're preaching for the Easter Sunday sermon, um, and let's dive right in. Yeah. So this actually came from just an observation around the office. A neighbor. We have a neighbor next door, and I noticed the other day she has this orange tree, and there are all these oranges on the ground. Man, it's a a big tree. It's a big tree. There's probably 100 oranges on the the ground. On the ground, and I I was telling Justin... And I was like, hey, I wonder if she'll let us go over and just have some of those oranges. And in fact, I was just kind of surprised. Like, she's really nice. She hadn't offered any oranges to us yet. And Justin told me the story how she had actually uh, wanted to plant an orange tree. So she got this orange tree and she cared for this orange tree, planted it in her front yard, uh, watered it for 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. And finally, it produced some oranges, dropped those oranges off. She opens them up, peels them, takes a bite, realizes that those oranges are sour oranges, and they actually aren't like the the, the oranges we usually get from, yeah. from the store. They're not edible at all. And so the, the fruit just kind of drops to the ground, and it stays there. And now it's, it's kind of actually more of a pain right. because you have to pick all those up before they rot 
on the ground. It looks like the the orange tree on like the the box cover like of Minute Maid, right? It's mm-hmm. got like the real bountiful it, orange tree. It looks tree. great. It looks amazing and there's oranges everywhere. And yeah, she said uh they're really only good. I think she said they're really good for cocktails. <laughs> Cuz like sour. They're just uh, yeah, they're there. And here's here's the illustration. Uh the seeds that we plant uh grow into full-blown trees. And when the Bible talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about how Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of our resurrection. And because of his resurrection, we, we can trust that. We can trust that fruit. And eventually, we will partake in that fruit. We will die and be resurrected because of Jesus' resurrection. And the Bible talks about the resurrection of of Jesus and the resurrection of us at the end of time. And that is an amazing promise. And that's fruit that we can trust in. Why? Because we've seen it in Jesus. It's not sour fruit or bad fruit. It's good fruit. So I think that's a, a good illustration. And you can actually look into different types of trees. There's different types of apples, like crab apples and things like that. So the illustration can be a little bit different based on where you're from. Um, but I think it's a good illustration for uh, the, talk to talk about, really, yeah. the resurrection. And you know what? We consider you friends... And you could consider us friends, or you could say, "Hey, a friend of mine said." Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you could you that's, could say that. You can you can friend, steal this. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine had a neighbor who had an orange tree. Uh, another illustration that you can use. I love this illustration. Right, this comes from the Watergate scandal. Right, you remember the big political scandal, uh, and this comes from uh, the book from about Chuck Colson, and it says, "If you're skeptical about the resurrection, we get it." Right. Consider what Chuck Colson said. He's Nixon's special counsel on Watergate and, and, and henchmen, really. And it goes to jail for Watergate, becomes a Christian yeah. in jail, which is wild. Yeah, so right full circle here. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact. He said, and Watergate, Watergate proved it to me. He said, how? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. And then proclaim that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. He said everyone was beaten, tortured, Hmm. stoned, eventually killed, put in prison. Um, They would have not endured it if it weren't true. He said Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's a really great story, and... It's a good illustration, and it also brings to mind something that I think is so important when it comes to Easter Sunday is um, the importance of sprinkling in apologetics. Not that your entire message needs to be like, hey, here's why we believe the resurrection actually happened. But if you can sprinkle these little things in there and say, there are more resources, and talk with me afterwards, I'd love to give you some more resources to think about this issue. But just so you know, as Christians, uh, we aren't just looking at the resurrection saying, oh, you know, we're just following it through blind faith. There are great reasons to believe in the historicity of Jesus's resurrection. And I think an illustration like this and others can go a long ways just to remind people of that and to know that you have an answer. I think that's a really good story. And just Chuck Colson's life yeah. and what he became. It's like is a movie. A, it's a really great illustration of the power and the forgiveness of, of Jesus. And I, I, think that's a, I think that's amazing. Speaking of movies. <laughs> Speaking of movies, uh, I... Uh, want to talk for a moment about the sixth sense so 
this is a film from 1999 from M. Night Shyamalan starring Bruce Willis. And if you've not seen it, I'm going to give you some spoilers. But I think almost everyone who actually even wants to see the movie, they already know what happens. Uh, but in the movie, Bruce Willis plays this uh, psychologist. Malcolm Crow. And Malcolm Crow. And at the very beginning... And I believe this the individual is played by Donnie Wahlberg. He like gets really skinny, but he's someone that Bruce Willis's character has worked with. Uh, he's mentally unstable. He shoots Bruce Willis. Well, we cut forward in time, and Bruce Willis is now working with uh, another child. And this child, played by Haley Joel Osment, he can see uh, dead people, and. It's a, it's a fascinating movie, uh, an intense drama and psychological thriller. And at the end of the film, we get the big, the big twist. Uh, Bruce Willis's character is actually dead, and that's, that's why his client can see him. And when you get to that twist, it changes everything you see in the movie. You start to think back at all these different scenes, and you're like, oh, what? oh yeah, it makes sense of the film. And I think this is a good illustration of how after Jesus' resurrection, how his death and resurrection really kind of makes sense of his entire ministry. When Jesus died, the disciples were, they were despondent. And yet when he rose, it made sense out of everything. The Old Testament, the words of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, even the death of Jesus. If you were to take away the resurrection, then it really changes it changes everything and paul says our faith really isn't worth anything without the resurrection so i think that's a good illustration to uh to talk about the importance of the resurrection in our lives another illustration that we see uh that would be good for easter is taken from another movie godzilla Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why we've included movies uh, as illustrations is your people have seen these movies they may not have thought about certain plot lines or twists Mm. As it relates to their faith, uh, so we feel like th- these are a good wrinkle to use up. But in the movie Godzilla, uh, the King of Monsters, Godzilla has been hurt. He's been severely uh, injured, and so he retreats to his, you know, back into his radioactive home, and he's trying to heal. And the monarch scientists attempt to bring essentially a nuclear weapon to him because he uses that to. That radioactivity yeah, it, to it heals him. Yeah, it heals him, and so they're don't, trying. Don't try to don't try to understand it. Just go. Yeah, with just it. go. It's like <laughs> this is like for the sci-fi segment of your church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, an illustration isn't going to be for everybody in your church, but this one will be for somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but so as they're attempting to bring this nuclear warhead, the submarine crashes. The the, the missile silos are jammed shut, and then the doctor, knowing that without Godzilla humanity would not be able to stand a chance volunteers to carry the warhead now y'all know you see i'll see where i'm going with this right already mm-hmm. see volunteers to carry the warhead to godzilla and detonate it there so godzilla can be sort of uh, resurrected so yeah. to speak and he sacrifices himself he, he does and he it's a good you know good example of sacrifice so that comes from the second movie godzilla king of the monsters king, yeah. not to be confused with godzilla or all the other yeah godzilla movies uh, and it really is it's kind of fascinating. I'm not like a huge fan of that movie. I think that scene you're talking about is really good. It's the best part of the film. 
But it's interesting, the filmmakers throughout the movie will concentrate on like a cross or a church or something, and they use that term king of the monsters because they're definitely tapping into this idea that we all understand that deep within us, we realize that sacrifice has to be made in order for new life to begin. Mm -hmm. And so they, and and not that the filmmakers are Christians or anything, they're just tapping into that symbolism because there's no, they know there's something very strong about that. And I think what you can do is you can point out these Christ figures or these motifs that are touched on in movies and in books to your people and say, hey, there's a reason why we keep going back to this. There are a reason why in our movies, characters die and they sacrifice and we don't just think that's great we're awed we're moved by that because there's something deep inside all of us that realizes that's the only way we can find new life and so i think that's a good illustration it reminds me of the jungle book right (laughs) with baloo and bagheera (laughs) no greater love than this than he who laid down his life for his friend it's been a while since i've seen the jungle book man been a long time i want to be like you so there's this uh, there's this other illustration, and actually this there are a set of movies made about these books, but I want to point to a line from the book. But the Lord of the Rings series, in the final book, the characters, Sam and Frodo, they're trying to destroy the ring and really send it into the fires of Mount Doom. And after all of that, Sam uh, collapses, and he wakes up and he sees Gandalf. And the last time he saw Gandalf, he thought he saw Gandalf dying, and yet he's back, which is, uh, Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, is, is really kind of touching on some Christian themes too. And Gandalf says this line in the book. He says, is everything sad going to come untrue? And I love that line. It's my favorite line in the entire Lord of the Rings series. And that's what we ask ourselves. And when we look at Jesus and his resurrection, we say those same things. Wow, Jesus rose from the dead. Is everything sad going to come untrue? We understand that the world is hurting. We understand that it's broken. And we have that promise. As we talked about the first fruits of our resurrection, that everything sad will come untrue. And I think you could point to a line like that and you can say, hey, here's this, here's this great moment in a book and it speaks to the reality of what the Bible says. So I think that's a great illustration. Yeah, I, I love that illustration. I think it's a great, great point. Um, another one that I found that I, I, I found this illustration to be moving and, and great for Easter. Uh, it, it really centers around a, a really a touching story uh, of a young man, a son, who's wishing to buy the cop car uh, his father drove before his untimely death, and and so they're putting this car up for auction. And at the auction, the bidding went quickly out of the son's budget and uh the son this is a true story yeah this is a true story the son was you know obviously a little a little upset it's out of his budget it's out of his range he really wanted to keep his dad's car um but he lost it because he couldn't pay the price and when the winner of the auction claimed the prize he immediately found the son and gave the son the keys to the car and even though he was a stranger, right, he, he had bought the car for the boy, essentially. He had intended to do that. And, and I, I love the application point of this is that we, we weren't just strangers uh, to God when he died for us. He, the Bible says why we were enemies in Romans 5. Jesus performed the greatest act of love towards us by dying on the cross. And so Jesus paid what we couldn't. And I thought it's such a great illustration, especially father, son, 
um, a powerful story. And it makes it even better that it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, love how, that it's true. How Christ pays for what we can't afford. You also know, true. You know, we can't, you know, pay for our sins. And I think it's a good, uh, a good story and a, a true story. Uh, the last sermon illustration I have, it, this is kind of just fascinating subject. So there is something called plan obsolescence. And it's understandable, but can also be kind of frustrating at once. Planned obsolescence is when a company creates products and they plan for those products to fall apart, so we have to buy more. And a good example I was reading is uh, the nylon stocking. And so there were companies who created nylon stockings and they would actually create them so they lasted for a certain amount of time and then they ripped and people needed to buy more. Why? Because they want people to continue to buy their products. And so companies are oftentimes reluctant to create anything too perfect because they need to continue to make a a sale. So plan obsolescence says something is good for a certain period of time and then it can't be used anymore or it's not needed anymore. And when we talk about the Old Testament, we read about uh, sacrificial lambs, We read about the Old Testament laws, and they're all signposts to what Jesus would do. There's this plan obsolescence that God says, you're going to do this for a short period of time, and it's going to prepare you and help you to understand Jesus and his work. But Jesus would come, and he would be that final sacrifice once and for all. I think it's a good illustration to help people as they connect the Old Testament to the promise in the New Testament. And I, I like that illustration as well. It's something that, I, that I, I'd like to use in the future. It kind of reminds me of a Shark Tank episode where uh, this guy had invented, so in the Middle East, you know, they have lots of sandstorms mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of allergies involved. And this person had invented these little like filters that would go inside your nose. Mm-hmm. And they're like cheap. They're like less than a dollar. Okay. And he went to like pharmaceutical com- companies and was trying to sell them to like Walgreens. And here in the States too, just for allergies, like when it's really strong allergy season, you can barely see them too. And the reply that he got to the company, and I, I don't know if this is uh, playing obsolescence, but it just struck me when you mentioned that story is they said, why would we, why would we sell something for 99 cents to prevent it? when we could treat it with medicine for $15. Yeah, yeah. And it's like sense. they would rather not fix the problem because it's much more profitable. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I'm sure that pastors listening to that illustration could find a way to utilize it on, on Easter Sunday. So those are seven illustrations. Yep. You might be saying, oh, I, I need to rewind this or I need to find sources. Yep. We've actually linked to a blog in the show notes. So if you're listening on iTunes, click the show notes or Spotify. If you're listening on YouTube, then just click the uh, description section and there's a blog that gives you an outline of all of these illustrations as well as sources for these. So you can go up on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, and you can be well prepared. So that is there. Make sure to tweet your takeaways, hashtag HelloChurchPod. Leave a comment. As I mentioned, yeah. you're, we're going to give away a coffee mug. Yeah, for anyone that leaves a comment on the YouTube channel. So even if it says, hey, thank you, or this is useful, we'll, we'll enter you in the drawing. Uh, bonus, if you can add an illustration that other people can oh, use. Oh, man. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode Hello Church. We are grateful that you continue to 
listen and watch and tune in and engage with us as we're trying to create content that helps you as a church leader navigate through uh, what it means to lead a church in, in our world today. And so hopefully, hopefully this is helpful and hopefully that we, we pray uh, that your Easter season and your Easter Sunday services and all of that this, this year are fruitful and God uses you and your church to, to, to grow his kingdom. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks.